Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, September 6th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's appearance in North Little Rock, uh, the latest on uh, the state, continued state takeover, the Little Rock School District, and the Little, Little Rock Civil Service Commission hearing on uh, Charles Starks, the former Little Rock officer who was fired after a police shooting. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. So uh, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg appeared before a, a sold-out crowd. It was, there, no money changed hands, but you had to reserve your seat. Um, an adoring audience of many, many thousand people yeah, in you know, Verizon Arena. I, I, 12 to 15,000 people. There were some open seats, and there wouldn't have been if they had had a way to fill the waiting list. I mean, there were far more requests for tickets, and then some people didn't use them, but there was kind of no way to fill those seats. But uh, it was it was an event. It was a thing. I mean, I went, and I'm glad. I almost didn't. I was going to watch it on TV, and I thought, no, I really ought to go. And I'm glad I did because the fervor for this woman was just astonishing. And it kind of gave, and I wasn't the only person that observed this, it kind of gave me hope for Arkansas. I mean, now I know there are tens of thousands of people out there that have no use for her her judicial philosophy, but still, it was nice. And and, and I assume there were some Republicans there. There were a few, but but I think mostly these were people that really admire what she stood for. And what she stands for is reproductive rights, feminism, gender equality. And she is, uh, I get what, she's 87 or so, but she's still got her mental acuity. There is no doubt about that. I, she moves slowly and needs some help. She's She was 13 days after cancer treatment, but she was did a Q&A with Nina Totenberg, the NPR reporter. I think there's a mutual affection between the two of them, and it, was, it wasn't set up to produce any news, and it didn't, except for she declared that her health was good, and she planned to be around for a while, and that, that was good news. But just the anecdotes about her life, most of which were familiar if you'd seen any of the two movies that had been made about her life. But still, it was just a, the chance of RBG and the ovations and the thundering uh, applause for her was really something. And the room was, I, I would say there were more women than men there, but there were plenty of men. Uh, there were a lot of young women there and girls there. And, and I think that was probably, for me, the most heartening thing is that her message has reached out to a lot of people. You know, I, I don't want to extrapolate too far from it, but Arkansas is still a red state. It'll, it will remain so after the elections next year. But there are a lot of people running for office, and women are running for a lot of offices, and women are winning some offices. And I, I, I just happen to be an absolute sexist. I think women are better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so all that's good news from, from my point of view. I think they're, generally speaking, a more moderate, saner, and less, funny thing to say, maybe less emotion-driven than men are. I mean, they just don't, I just I just find them better. I they're mean, also leading the way in activism. I mean, the, the Moms yeah, Demand the, chapter in Arkansas is really... They're really out there. And listen, if you doubt that activism... And resistance doesn't work. If you doubt it works, take a look at what's happened this week in the gun arena. I mean, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Kroger, 
None of them have called it a ban on open carry in their stores. They're trying to be nice, but they're saying we're asking our customers not to do it. And they're going to post signs saying, don't carry guns in this store. This is big. This is a big, big thing. And the NRA has been set back. And, and so, and I, I will say not all women are good. Leslie Rutledge uh, filed in the Supreme Court this week in favor of protecting a, a maker of AR-15 guns from civil liability and the killing of, of six-year-olds in a school in Connecticut to give you where she comes from. And, and the worst thing that happened is the single worst thing that happened this week in terms of utter insensitivity, I thought, was the news that a band booster club in Westside School District in Arkansas is auctioning an AR-15 to raise money for a band trip to Florida. For those of you who weren't around in 1998, Westside is where two uh, students with rifles lay in ambush and killed four children and a teacher at Westside School. I just think auctioning an assault rifle to raise money for this, a school that was the site of a mass slaughter is it's just not smart, really. But but it's but nuts. in any event. All right. Well, I uh, I was not at uh, Ruth Bader oh, Ginsburg. Right. Were, I was were. at an interminable State Board of Education meeting, the final uh, of the final the fifth meeting in, uh, in what was billed as or what were billed as community meetings to uh, for the community to have input on the future of the Little Rock School District, which is. Um, due to be returned to local control. Uh, the the five-year time limit is up in January of 2020, though there are increasing signs that the, uh, the fix is in. Yeah, I, I really thought all of those meetings, just from the point of view of an observer reading your great coverage of it, was it was really simple. The people of the Little Rock School District want their school district back, and the state is looking for ways not to do it. That's that's about it in a I nutshell. Mean, that, I mean, they they may have some cover. They they're looking for some way to retain some. I mean, the, the most telling thing was the production of this legal opinion from the state education department that the Constitution demands equal and adequate education. Therefore, since the school district clearly will fail some standards based on test scores set by the state board of education that they're set by the department they're actually. set by the department not the board that, that somehow some control is going to have to be exerted the problem with that of course is is that there's schools and districts all over the state that don't meet the test score standards that have demonstrably unequal pay scales that have demonstrably unequal facilities and they're going to single out little rock i mean to me that is the clearest signal that the fix is in that they're they're going to make a special case of Little Rock because they can, yeah. And and I and Will Bond it seemed to suggest that and, and I think this will be so if not from Will Bond from somebody, if they do make a special case of Little Rock in the face of inequities all over the state, somebody's going to sue. Yeah, no, and, I, now, I think there are already conversations. I mean, it's going to happen, and so we'll we'll be back in court, and I don't know that that's necessarily a path to to help for the district and state court. Certainly not, because it's so political. In federal court, the federal court precedents have, have made it just about impossible to sue over resegregation anymore. And so I don't know that that's, <clears throat> that's any source of comfort, but at least it might slow things down. I do think, as I've said before, that the resistance has to enter into the thinking of those who are going to make the decision. And when we talk about those who are going to make the decision, I think we have to remember 
it is not just the State Board of Education. First of all, all but one of them now are appointees of Asa Hutchinson, and the one who's not is an anti-Little Rock School District person, the board chair, Diane Zook. It means Johnny Key, who was appointed to his position by Asa Hutchinson, and I think it also means the 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 school choice establishment, so-called, the led by the Walton Family Foundation, but also numbering the publisher of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and some other very wealthy people who've long been enemies of the school district, long been supporters of charter schools, voucher programs, and anti-teachers union, and they, they've built up this incredible network and they've elected people with campaign contributions that share their point of view. And so they're, they're powerful and what they want is, is not a return to what the Little Rock School District used to be. But the resistance has gotten attention. And, and notably, I wrote this week, and I urge people to take a read of it, uh, an op-ed in the Houston paper about whether the state of Texas should take over the Houston School District, a situation very similar to Little Rock, where you have a huge number of minority and poor people and, and the resulting test scores that are accompanied with that. And Jay Green, who's an endowed professor of education reform at, at Fayetteville in a department established by Walton Money and joined by another one of the faculty members who are supported by Walton Money, said, you know, state takeovers of school districts are bad ideas. Now, he said, you know, they're just not close enough to the ground. They also said some significant things. They said, you know, sometimes these bad scores are a result of poverty. And, you know, sometimes you just can't blame the school board when the situation doesn't get fixed. That's Now, they went on to make the case that alternatives like charters and vouchers are probably worth looking at, as, as you would expect they would. But I think it's a pretty amazing admission from this multi-million dollar Walton institution to say, you know, you just can't judge a school district just on test scores. And sometimes you can't blame the school board for that turning out that way. I, I thought... If anybody reads anything, and this followed up something that Jay Green had written that I'd noted with some pleasure a few weeks earlier, but the same sort of thing is that we're just, you know, sometimes the reformers are wrong. You know, sometimes, you know, just having a merit-based pay system for teachers won't solve bad test scores, for example. That the reformers get these ideas and they're, they get so invested in them, they don't stop and put them in the context of where they apply some of these things. And they just, they don't work. They fail. I, I mean, it was a, it was a eureka moment. I thought. Well, of course, the the department and some state board members would say that's not the case here because they're in the exit criteria. They're both quantitative uh, and qualitative measures, and the quantitative there's some growth uh, side of it, yeah, but, but it's but clearly it's, it's 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 heavily weighted still towards scores and and. The, the whole system was just cooked up by the department uh, in February. And, and the and other thing that I, I want to I plug that we produce this week is I'd heard that Baker Curris, who spent a year as school superintendent, was going to submit some written comments for this consideration. And I, and I wrote him and asked him about it. He said, well, sure, here's what I sent in. And it's a remarkably prescient examination of the issue. Again, saying that even if, if you don't accept that charter schools are damaging the Little Rock School District, you need to look at it and decide if it's right. And you need to look at the charter schools and see if they're actually producing results for students. 
or is it as he found in his year as superintendent that where kids were taken from the district, they were kids who were succeeding. They were not failing, and except those that went to the charter schools and came back because charter schools discouraged them from being there because they were tough cases. And we need to look at these things and do a series. It's inefficient to have what is now essentially three large school districts in Little Rock, the Little Rock School District, the East Dem School District, and the Lisa School District. They're three of the 20 largest school districts in Arkansas are now operating in one city, and that's inefficient on its face. And, and they perhaps they ought to be under local control too. And so these are the kind of thoughts that I, as I say, I don't think anybody's going to adopt Baker's point of view. He was fired by Johnny Key after all. But I keep having some hope that between the well-informed opposition that's grown up that's, that's multiracial and multi-class in the district and some of these other outlier points of view from sources that, have, that are somewhat different, the school reformers, the Baker curses of the world, that maybe at least it'll slow down the, the motive force of, of, the, of the haters and, and just tearing the district apart. Because we know takeovers of school districts have failed in Memphis, they failed in New Orleans, they failed in Beaumont, Texas. It's, it's just, it's not the way to go here. I, 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 but I do think the state wants out. Yeah, and uh, you know, Diane Zuck, the, the chairwoman of the board, has become kind of the embodiment of takeover and some sort of continued control but, um, and she talks the most in the meetings, and of course that's the prerogative of the chair. The, the board, the rest of the board, certainly on paper, does not look good for, um, as far as return to local control goes. But there, there, there have been some hints that a lot of them are tired of the issue and are ready to be done well, with they, it. They, yeah, they, they would like to have it cleared off their desk. And so, and so that that's good. Yeah. There, there's so I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think Asa Hutchinson's ultimately going to be the decider. Yeah. Well, we will continue to follow up on this. After over 15 hours of combined testimony across two days, the Little Rock Civil Service Commission this week upheld the termination of former LRPD officer Charles Starks, who was fired from the force by Police Chief Keith Humphrey earlier this year after an internal investigation found that he violate, violated department policy uh, in February when he shot and killed Bradley Blackshire in a traffic stop. Well, I kind of have some slightly weird viewpoints on this. Uh, I think, first of all, Charles Starks had a work record that suggested he shouldn't have still been a member of the Little Rock Police Department. I'm not an admirer of the fraternal order of police, which generally takes a view that anything a cop does is okay, and they're just trying to keep control of a lawless city in which most of the white ones don't live. But <laughs> he's going to appeal the upholding of his firing. And I think the fraternal order of police made a pretty good point in, in their expression of unhappiness that his firing was upheld. They said that, that the hearing by the Civil Service Commission didn't really come down to what the police chief said was the nominal reason for his firing, which was departing from part policy and procedure of the department and getting in front of a car in, in this circumstance and firing guns. And, and focused a lot on, well, he should have done this or he should have done that and, and kind of a second-guessing tactics. And the, the way it works is 
is when you fire somebody, you got to uphold the reason they were fired. And so if the reason he was fired, if the reason the chief came up for firing him was is he shouldn't have gotten out in front of the car, it should, that's what it all should have been about, not woulda, shoulda, coulda on other ways of approaching it. I mean, I don't think it was a well-handled traffic stop, no doubt. I still give a great deal. I, I don't. I happen to think the stop was mishandled, but is that a firing offense? The prosecutor looked at this and said, as many have before, that he had that based on what he knew, he could see where the officer had reason to fear for his circumstances, and that's why he fired. And it's hard to put yourself in that position. And this is a prosecutor who's prosecuted police for shooting people. This isn't a, a just knee-jerk prosecutor who defends the police in every circumstance. So I think it was a tough case, uh, you know, and, and I think the, the Civil Service Commission was under immense pressure. Their appointees of the mayor, not of this particular mayor, but that's how they hold their position. And, and they chose to overlook the multiple members of the police force who said they thought his actions could be justified and they went with the chief. Maybe they didn't want to set off right at the beginning of a new chief's tenure and overrule him. I, you know, I don't know what's entering into their mind. Unfortunately, the Civil Service Commission didn't want to talk about why they did what they did. They just did it. Now, I think it's going to be hard to overturn their decision. The, the, the rule of law is, is that you have to show an abuse of discretion by a body like this when if you reverse their decision and I think I think that will be hard to demonstrate that, that they abuse their discretion but but anyway I mean it's just kind of an unfortunate thing there the I mean it really looked like the mayor you know he, he said oh I, I, I wanted to give him due process but he hurried this decision he took the extraordinary step of releasing the video which you know, that was in the interest of community transparency, but it kind of inflamed things all around. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, But again, back to the beginning, I think Starks was not a very good police officer. I'm, I don't, I'm not particularly sorry that he won't be on the force in the future if this decision stands. But The city's case may have been helped by uh, Starks' attorney, Robert Newcomb, suffering a fall and delaying the trial. I mean, it it was going really poorly for the city and maybe they maybe they worked up a better strategy during the interim I, 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 that's a lot of speculation but it, yeah. it you know the, the the kind of quick version of this was that every everyone in the chain of command before Humphreys said he should not be fired no and one thing that did happen on the resumed hearing was the former assistant chief Wayne Bewley coming in and kind of covering for the mayor Said, oh no no no, he wasn't really trying to get a predetermined outcome here. It was just you know he was in just, the spirit of transparency. Just new to the job, and I, I kind of gave him a tutorial on these things. And he provided context. I think was how it was framed. Context. Yeah, that, that's what was missing from the other, um, the other chiefs. Of course, the two of the the high ranking officers. An ally. a better word. <laughs> officers before were finalists in the in the police chief search. Um, and have, they may have had right, political could, motivations sure, as well. Sure, sure. I, I, you more know, rank speculation. And, you know, we had a white officer who killed a black guy. And, listen, he was not a choir boy. I mean, he was apparently under the influence of drugs that day. He was driving a car that had been reported stolen. He did have a gun in his car. I mean, the officer didn't know that until later, although his companion passenger said something about him having a gun. 
I do think it's fair to say police suspect interactions are real easy to judge from afar, but but hard to judge if you were there, right there when it happened. Sure. All right. Well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. Well, I I, uh, I finally, when I was on vacation, they, they played out the second season of Big Little Lie, and so we didn't watch it till we got back. And we watched all the episodes this week except the climactic final version, which we're saving for this weekend. And I guess it's pretty good, and I'm a little dis... I'm kind of sorry to hear Nicole Kidman's talking about having a third season because... They stretched it. It's it's enough. But the, the interesting thing about it, I mean, I don't know, it's not an endorsement, but I, I'm kind of curious what other people think there there's only one person in this show that has any redeeming value the the woman of the child who's the product of the rape but oh, right. uh, chalet i forget her name but shailene woodley shailene woodley that's her name and she she seems like an okay person i hate all i hate all the rest of them and they've made me and it's interesting I hate Meryl Streep. I mean, most worst of all. I mean, I just hate her. I just hate her character. I don't think I can ever look at Meryl Streep the same again. <laughs> She's so effective it's a at successful being acting an job. awful human being. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other ones are pretty bad, too. Reese Witherspoon and Nicole, they're all bad. I mean, yeah, I like Reese Witherspoon's character. I mean, I know you're supposed to hate her, but I, I was kind of into her. Well, she's just, just so over the amoral, top. you know. Although the Laura Dern, I mean, she's like I, they might have even taken her too far. She's so despicable. Yeah, I mean, she's so caricatured. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of Meryl Streep is, I mean, she's just believably, incredibly hated, hateful. Whereas Laura Dern is like, could anybody in the world be that terrible? Yeah. Well, then and then I look at the White House and maybe yes, I don't know. But, yes. We're, <laughs> there you go. So. Uh, I again have nothing. I'm gonna have to work on my my cultural life. Um, so we'll leave it there and come back next week. See you next week. <laughs>